What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Run This. I am Chris Luminati. He's Nick Domingo. What's up, Nick? How much, dude? How was your holiday? It was good. It was good. Um, I'm now, uh, it's funny, like maybe usually like five or six o'clock Christmas day, you're kind of like me. I'm kind of like, all right, holidays are over. It's done. Yeah. Nothing's, even though there's New Year's left, it's still kind of like, nah, everything's done. It's all over. And I've kind of like, I'm thinking about the next year already. I feel you might, my grandma actually, uh, for she's 98 now, pretty much every single year, she used to make her uh, sisters argue with her to make her cry because she did not want Christmas to end. So that was her way of justifying that she would cry because she cries when Christmas is over. So she, when she was a young kid, would be like, I'm gonna get in arguments with my sisters to make me cry, but really it was because Christmas is over and, and maybe that's kind of how you're feeling now, man. What, wouldn't it just be better if you just cried that Christmas was over? Like, why do you gotta start fights? I, I think that she just didn't want to be ashamed of crying, you know, cause it was Christmas, but uh, you know, hey, it, it's worked for 98 years. So yeah, I'm I was gonna, gonna say, look, that. I'm not yeah. arguing with a 98 year old over anything. Like if she tells me that works to live to be 98, I'll do it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, does uh, does she make any New Year's resolutions? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I'll have to ask her. I know this year her big one is like, I'm going to go to Nick and Christie's wedding. So uh, maybe her resolution is just making it to that shit, which knock on wood, she does, man. Other than that, I don't know. I'll have to ask her. It, it tends to, I feel like people, like, have you ever heard people where they're really sick? I'm not saying your grandmother's sick, but people get really sick and they like hang on for the holidays or they hang on for something important. And then that thing goes and it's like, you know, and not saying I want that for your grandma, but it's like, she's willing herself to live for your wedding. She probably will. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that. We, I hope so, man. I mean, mm -hmm. shit. I, I hope that she's there. So yeah. Other than that, you know, I'm like you, I'm my, I'm kind of checked out and just thinking like, let's get through the next couple of days and, and bring in a new year. Not that really, magically anything happens from you know hey it's december 31st to january 1st but at least it's it's a new beginning i guess do you make resolutions uh i don't i make a goal board i like make a vision board of things that i like want to accomplish throughout the year rather than like you know everyone hey i'm gonna go start to run in january and then by february 3rd you're like i've run six times like what the fuck now i'm just gonna go drink so I don't know. I, I kind of stay away from it to focus more on the bigger goals and say like, here's where you want to be throughout the year. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. What about you? Anything? Uh, I'm going to set a running goal this year. Uh, the past two years I set running goals, but they're a little bit different. So they're going to sound the same, but they're different. So two years ago, I wanted to run a thousand miles and I did. This year I wanted to run 1100 miles I didn't make it. I'm at like 800 and something or other. This coming year, I want to run less, but farther, if that okay. makes sense. So I want my runs to be longer. And I think it's probably because uh, all of the ultra runners that we've had on this past year have infiltrated my brain. And I feel like I want to go for like longer distances, shorter amount of times, less amount of times running. I, I like that. I When I was doing that virtual race um, in May earlier this year, I was kind of on that, that track too where I was so used to doing four or five days a week 
at like five or six miles and I was doing eight, nine on weekdays and then on Saturday or Sunday doing like a really long run. I actually really liked it because you're, it gives your top, your body enough time to recover and you're not, you don't feel as bad if like, say you ran on Tuesday, 10 miles and Wednesday, Thursday, you just get totally sidetracked with stuff and you don't have time to, to run. You can make up that, that distance on Friday and be like, I'm going to go for another 10 and your body is like totally all about it. So I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to push you to, to see, see if you can reach that goal. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try not to attach a mile number to it. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like though, sometimes when you make those goals and there's not like a concrete, like running more, but farther is not really a concrete goal. Yeah. It's that's like, true. It's just a thing. So maybe I do have to kind of put a number on it. Maybe I'll drop back down to a thousand and see how that works. No, so, man, stick to it. I like it. I feel like yeah. I'd like go big. You've got a whole year, man. You'll, you'll accomplish it. Yeah. So uh, speaking of accomplishing goals, our uh, guest today is Natalie Johnston. She's a uh, running coach. I like to call her a running guru because um, I know her personally, besides us interviewing um, her on here. And she's very like Zen meditate kind of like laid back. So uh, we had a pretty good conversation with her. Yeah. She seems really in tune with like the mental aspect mm -hmm. of not only running, but just how to live your life. And as she said yesterday on the, on the podcast, like having the gray area, you know, having that gray area of, you don't always have to push yourself and you don't always have to be lazy. Like how do you mix it and find that, that middle ground. And I think, um, you know, for me hearing her speak and kind of describe her journey through running and life, it was really, um, interesting. It woke me up to be like, okay, you know, it's, don't be so hard on yourself on certain things or, you know, push yourself or dig yourself into the ground, especially on a run. If you're not totally feeling that. So, uh, she was super interesting. Yeah. And, uh, some of the things she did say when she got into the personal stuff, like I was kind of like my eyes popped out a little bit because it's some really personal things that she said and statements that she made that I was like, wow, I don't know if I would admit that on a podcast full of people. Or yeah, she was extremely candid. So um, I'm excited for everybody to kind of hear her, her story, take her tips. Um, as you mentioned, you know, you, you guys have met and have known for known each other for a few years and actually met through running, right? Yeah. She was my running coach for a couple articles that I did. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's, let's dive into it, man. I think people will really like to, uh, hear what Natalie has to say. Absolutely. Let's talk to Natalie. Hey everybody, we are back and we are here with Natalie Johnston. Natalie, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you guys? Doing good. You're, uh, you're kind of semi on vacation for the holidays. You're away. Yeah, I am blessed with having a house in Martha's Vineyard. So mm. we come up here whenever we can. And I figured since, you know, COVID is on the rise, might as well just hang up here for two weeks in quarantine and, you know, work up some, uh, online stuff and catch up on work. I, I have a question about holidays. I've always wondered this because I know it never happens to me, but so you, your entire life is based around running, coaching, that kind of stuff. Do people yeah. try and get you like running themed gifts or like? Um, 
Yeah, I, I got compression socks this year. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to think if I've ever gotten running besides that. I get money a lot. <laughs> People just like to give me money. Okay. And then, yeah, which is kind of, you know, nice. Because I also do the massage therapy. So I think it's kind of like like extra tip for the year. Um, but people are thoughtful. I mean, I'd usually bring like a coffee actual like cup to one of my clients, you know, like houses. And she got me something that um, like, a, what are those things called? The, uh, oh my God, the tumbler? Yetis. Oh, the Yeti? Okay. Yeah, she got me a Yeti like tumbler just because I'm always bringing my mug. Mm-hmm. So People are thoughtful, you know. I just always wonder because sometimes people try to get like a little gadgety with it. They're like, yeah, no, oh. I don't think so. Not, yeah, not okay. with me, at least. Okay. Yeah. Nick, do you, Nick, you try and get gadgety with your uh, running gifts? I do. You know, I, yeah. I try and look for the, all the like trendy stuff. The, the biggest runner in my family is my brother-in-law, Wyatt. So, you know, I make sure that uh, he's up to, uh, up to date with all the trends, you know. Oh, that's good. That's nice of you, Nick. What a, what a nice guy. I, I like to give. I'm a giver. <laughs> Are you? Okay. <laughs> Nick, do you ever get any bad, like, kind of uh, running gifts? Yeah, dude, all the time. I you mean, know, shit. Really? Like, I, oh, yeah. All the time. Well, it, what's what's, the, like, what's a bad, bad running gift? Yeah. Is that, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I think it's just, like, the same thing over and over. Like, it, literally for the past probably 10 to 12 years, God bless her, but my mom will be like, hey, I got you some new running shirts. I'm like, yeah, you got me five new running shirts last year, mom. Like, I'm set on running shirts. I don't need to recycle them every single year. So uh, that that to me is a bad running gift. That or shoes. And I want to get your take on this because shoes are such a uh, interesting topic. We've talked about it. And, and we know that shoes are such a personalized thing. If someone's giving me running shoes for Christmas, I, I, I basically am like, thank you, but let me go return them and get the ones I want so that I know that they're comfortable and I know that they're, they're not going to hurt my feet. Like, do you guys agree with that? A hundred percent. I mean, it's a nice thoughtful gift, obviously to buy somebody a pair of running shoes, but there's, it's so super specific to your own foot um that unless they say like hey what's your shoe size hey what brand and model do you like give me freaking specifics then other than that it's like it's just hard to you know know what's going to be appropriate for you because sometimes you don't necessarily know what's going to be appropriate to you especially if they change the models each year you know so if you let's say like the ghost 12 and they just came out with the ghost 13 it's not necessary that that one's going to still work for you. You still have to kind of retry on all the models, which sucks. Exactly. And, you know, my mom, when I say like new running shoes, I am looking yeah. at like $130 pair of shoes, which people yeah. who don't run often are like, why would you need a $130 pair of shoes to run in rain and run, like that you're just going to get dirty? So she gets like the $45 ones that are like <laughs> on sale at Costco. And I'm like, mom, Bro, dude, <laughs> my feet are gonna kill me if I wear this shit for like ten runs. So, oh my god, yeah, that's really I, cute. Yeah, I love her to death, but uh, that that to me is a bad running gift. So maybe I'm just a spoiled brat when it comes to the, my running gear. I get it, but you might be a spoiled brat. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'll I'm just it. kidding. I'll, I'll I'll take that. But um, speaking of, uh, I don't want to say speaking of spoiled brats because you might not have been. 
But Natalie, so reading on your bio, and Nick and I both wanted to comment on this because I, for one, found it amazing. Uh, so on your bio, it says you've uh, it says you've been running since thirteen. Your age of thirteen, yeah. but yeah. it says you've can, been competitive since you were three. Yeah. What are, what are you competing in at three? <laughs> Don't make me cry and laugh. <laughs> I think that needs to have an edit a bit, but I actually competed in horse shows. Okay. So like I was on mature ponies. I have little, um, you know, ribbons that I'm walking around like with the lanyard with my aunt and I am competing in a horse show. So therefore, if I'm a politician, <laughs> I was competing at three, but in all like, I started dancing at five, like every other probably little girl does. And then I got really into ballet and point. And then um, my mom, like one of our neighbors started swimming. So then at the age of eight, I got into swimming and then became pretty competitive in that for eight years. Um, and then I found running just haphazardly at 13 because everybody was going out for the track team. And I was just like, all right, I mean, I can run. Let's do it you know and uh back when i was in eighth grade in new york they um did the 3000 meter which is about 1.8 miles and i don't think they do that in the middle schools anymore but no one was doing it and i was just like i'm gonna go for it you know and uh i like love distance running i was actually really good at it um out the gate and that's when a friend of mine told me to join cross country in the ninth grade and me being like blonde and like super uneducated with the running scene. I was like, what's cross country? Do you like run across the country? Cause that seems weird. <laughs> She's like, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> you just run long distance. And I was like, okay, sweet. Awesome. And then that's when I started like actually like getting into, you know, running as like more seriously. Have you ever crossed over from your background in swimming into doing like a try at all? So I have done like a couple of tries, like loosely, like I think I jumped in the try back when I was like, maybe like 24 ish. And then I jumped into one last year. I did the steel man try up in uh, Lake Nakamixon just for like, you know, shits and giggles. Like I, a bunch of people. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, it was like a sure. sprint, you know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, I got the swim. I'll just get back in the pool. You know, it's not going to be like it used to be, but at least I know what I'm doing, you know, and then the run, it's a 5k, like that's not going to be so difficult. It's the bike for me that I'm terrible at. Like I can actually bike, but to get like speed, oh God, I'm so slow, like horrible. Like, That's so interesting because you hear so many different people talk about their experience with tries and like mm -hmm. I can run and I can bike, but I can't swim. You can obviously run and swim, but you can't bike. So it's so funny how with each mm -hmm. person, it's, there's always an excuse not to do a triathlon because it's yeah. one of the three elements that would make it miserable. So I kind of find it interesting that with your long distance running background and swimming that you're like, I have no idea how to actually gain speed on a bike. Yeah. And like, I tried so hard and I was like, I think it was, um, I'm going to say like a 15 mile bike ride. And I think I got up to like 18 miles an hour 
And I swear to God, that was the hardest thing ever. My hip flexors at the end of it, when I was doing the run, I'm like, Ooh, do I have a breathing stitch? I don't know. Okay. This kind of hurts. Oh, I think I hurt my hip flexor. I'm like, do I have to poop? I don't know. This is cramping in my side. And then I soon realized I was like, I was just hammering with the bike. And it was like really using my hip flexor to the point of, you know, cause I was like biking my little heart away. Cause even though I'm not a triathlete, I'm a competitive, you know, what type of athlete I'm going to, you know, try to take over the first place finish, which I didn't get, but it's okay. I was close. So you, we talked about how you did competitive things when you were younger, uh, yeah. were you, but were you a competitive person? Like, were you the kid that was gunning oh, for yeah. number one? Okay. Oh Yeah. I mean, like, any good stories about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like elementary school, just to start, there was the, um, you know, you did your physical fitness test. And I was just like, I am beating all the boys. There was this one boy, David, that would always beat me. And I was like, I'm coming for you, man. Like, I'm going to kick your ass. Let's go. Right. And he beat me in a couple of things. But there was um the, uh, uh, was it the, the arm hang? Back in the day, they would like, let you put your chin on the bar. I held that thing for two minutes and 30 seconds as like probably a sixth grader. And I'm like, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. So I've always had some sort of internal drive um, that I don't know where it came from, um, but probably a little bit of like a positive energy and like a negative kind of energy being like, I always struggled with not feeling like I was ever good enough. So I think that that little bit of excess of being like, I have to be the best probably started with a little negativity, you know, like to make myself feel better about me, if that makes sense. Yeah. You actually segued into another question I had about that because being competitive can be amazing, but it can also be a huge detriment mentally Mm -hmm. and physically. And you kind of touched on the mental side that, yeah. you know, you use that as motivation to be like, I need to push myself to be better. But have you ever gotten yourself in trouble physically where you may have reached a point in a race, whether it was um, in college or, you know, uh, one of these, these triathlons or marathons that you've done where you pushed yourself and actually got yourself injured because you're so competitive? Oh, my God. God. Yeah. I've had nine stress fractures. (laughs) So yeah, I was, um, I was a little bit of a hot mess in my twenties. Mostly. Um, I went, you know, to a D one college to start. I went to Manhattan college and the first like, uh, season I got myself a pair of, you know, stress fractures, one in my femur and one in my tibia. And it was a little combination between different programming right from high school to college. Um, I was a completely like, you know, that type A personality trying to be the best I possibly can. And I'm running with these like girls that I had no business running with, you know? So it was a little bit of a combination between not the right coaching for me probably, but also me pushing the limits because it's like, if I'm not number one, then who, like, you know, who am I? I'm not good enough, you know? And it was that internal battle that just constantly led me in this circle um, of injuries because it was just perpetual. If you're not first, you're last, right? Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't have like mentors or people that I have nowadays where I've really, it only took until like me probably getting into the coaching scene, which I started coaching back in 2012 um, to really learn more about how to nurture your body physically and emotionally with respect to, you know, your training, you know? So yeah, it was, it's, I, I, I pushed the limit a lot. Speaking of pushing the limit, you wrote <laughs> on your bio that running has saved your life in many different ways. Is that what you were talking about in your twenties? It saved you. In um, yeah, I would say even in high school. So like, um, I, I'm trying to think how I want to put this. Um, I think if I did not do sports, um, most likely I'd probably be dead. And I probably could say that with a pretty definitive, um, yeah, because, uh, so I have a family like history of alcohol and like drug addiction. And then I ended up getting into that whole scene in high school. So I was pretty bad in alcohol, like, you know, drinking and using drugs for probably from 16 to like 28. So every time I would get injured, right, I would go through this process of, well, I'm not running, like, it's the only thing that helps me cope in life. So I'm just going to drink my face off and do drugs and not actually take care of my body. Right. Um, and then those times of like, it was only during injuries then started to trek during like my season. Right. And stuff. So, but it always came back to this point of, I still want to be the best version of me. Right. So if I didn't have that within my sport, I think I probably would have just stayed on that perpetual, like, you know, addict type of mentality and, you know, killed myself in that way. Right. So, yeah, I think that if I didn't have running in my life or some sort of, you know, competitive, um, you know, aspect that I would have went down the rabbit hole big time. Um, and luckily in 20, 12 right before I started this business I got sober so yeah things have changed in the last eight years for sure <laughs> well kudos to you I that's thank you super and and I'm sure all three of us you personally going through it we've all known people who've had to deal with that and one of the things I always find mega interesting because there's some correlation and I don't know what it is obviously but a lot of people who have been addicted to anything, whether it's drugs, alcohol, work, anything in their life, they always try or seem to try to put that same effort of I love doing this into yeah. physical activity. And that seems to always be like what they focus on. They, they find another thing to basically be addicted to or obsessed with. And so kind of a two-part question, but did your drive and your competitiveness running early and then kind of your passion for you know addiction translate into you getting out at the other end on the running scene but also can you talk about the community and and how they supported you because running and fitness has such a cool close-knit community that yeah. I want to know where was that support system for you to help you come out on the other side to where you are now um well I 
I, I did AA for two years. So that was kind of like my, I think, community. And then I did a bunch of, um, you know, just regular therapy. And I would say that my community running wise is a teensy bit um, small, like I have a lot of, you know, acquaintances and that kind of stuff. But I don't really have um, a huge, huge running based community. Um, and I think it's because, you know, I work so much. So I'm seeing, you know, I see about like anywhere between five to eight people a day. Um, and then when I go on my runs, it's like I either choose one person to run with or um, I do it on my own for my own like mental, you know, sanity. But during the process of, you know, just like getting sober and that kind of stuff, um, it was mostly just like me working on me. Um, I used AA as a means to, you know, get sober. I couldn't personally stay with it um, just because. I believe that there's more to life than just that program. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if running community um, really did anything for that. I think it was more me um, on me, if that answered your question. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Again, yeah. not everyone <laughs> finds that community. Yeah. So I, I just always find it interesting that so many people do focus or turn their attention on fitness and bettering their, their health and obviously their physical health and their mental health that all comes with it. So, um, yeah. I mean, so the fact that you didn't have community and in, in outside of AA and, and pushing yourself, you know, that if that worked, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that from a running perspective, like, um, how do I want to put it? Um, like there was this over addiction towards running, right, for like most of my life and over exercising that when I decided to, you know, change my life wholesale, um, I tried to create like more balance within my life as a whole, you know what I mean? So it just became like this, um, I'm not going to overdo anything anymore within my life. You know, and I think a lot of times with people in general who don't even have addiction, they don't know how to sit in the gray area. It's either all or nothing. And we don't know how to hang out in here. And I just built this space of being okay with being like a reform perfectionist type A personality into like an AB, like, you know, like, and I can kind of chill in this space. So I don't know if that was like kind of like an offshoot, but um, Yeah. You, you mentioned on your bio too, that uh, you use running as a form of meditation and you yeah. say that you like to release your emotions. Now, my question is, is the meditation more you're running and you clear your mind and the emotions come out? Or are you specifically focused on, this is what's bothering me. I'm going to work this out in my head until something comes of it. I think it's kind of a mixture you know, like sometimes I just like feel like shit running, excuse my French, but like, I really just don't feel good, you know, and I'm literally in this run and I'm just like slugging it out. And I'm like stuck in that headspace of like, I'm tired, I'm stressed and my run feels tired and stressed, you know, so I can be in like that space. And, um, that actually doesn't feel meditative at all. And I would say currently that's how my runs have felt as of late when I wrote my bio um, years ago, like I literally felt like I can go in a run and 
be in a space of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sad or I'm, I'm mad, but this is going to help kind of get my, you know, my endorphins up and like kind of my dopamine up. And it's just going to help me work through anything that I need to. Um, but, you know, fast forward, like, I, I guess what, eight years. Um, now it's working through different things like, okay, stress as a whole, like, you know, like, running doesn't always feel good for me nowadays because my stress levels are always up. So um, I have to work through it in a different means. So like, instead of like feeling like it's curing everything per se, um, I have to actually train my brain to be like, okay, we're gonna use mantras today to get yourself through this run because you know maybe you didn't eat enough today so you're slugging it out, right? Um, so, yeah, I would say years ago, like I have to update that bio, man, because <laughs> I liked it. Like, I mean, that was <laughs> no, because it's like it's like weird because like eight years ago, I felt like, you know, I just go out and I run and it feels not effortless, but like I can kind of just use it as a means to to release a lot of emotions. And I've done so much self work that a lot of my emotions and my traumas and all that stuff I've, I've worked through. So like the coping strategy that I used with running has kind of transcended into, okay, I just run, I do it because, you know, it's, it's fitness based, it's performance based, and um, I'm not using it for that sole reason of coping and making me feel better anymore, even though it does inherently do it. Um, but it's not the reason I'm doing it anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, well, a, I guess I, I've changed. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'll show you the gray, the gray hairs on my head and the thinning hairs too. We have definitely <laughs> changed. Um, sure. Along those lines, you know, you've mentioned how your approach has changed to running. And, and I think early on, um, you know, you really pushed yourself to try and improve your times and, and get faster mm -hmm. with running. And you kind of touched on it, but, now you're talking about trying to run until you're in triple digits. And so yeah. how did you develop that change in attitude? It kind of goes along with what you kind of talked about, but I'm interested to hear your long-term goal with running and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times it just has to do with patience, you know, and not beating yourself up anymore. Um, Cause I did that a lot growing up. It's like, Oh, if I didn't hit this time or if I didn't do this in this race, then you know, I'm not good enough. So I'm going to go back out and run like another, you know, three to five miles because I'm going to beat myself up because I suck. And this is your punishment, you know, which doesn't make any sense. Because if you didn't do well in your race, well, maybe it's because you didn't eat enough or you didn't sleep enough or you're overtraining. So um, I think it's just, you know, building that patience um, having, you know, commitment, decreasing your stress levels. And then as we start to get older, our training is just going to change. You know, in college, I ran six days a week. I currently run four days a week. If I could run five days a week, I would love it. However, my body does not. <laughs> I tend to just do really well at four days a week of training. Um, so it's finding that magic as you start to age and being okay with changing um, the way that you train and not always thinking like, oh, I can still train the way I was when I was like, you know, 20 years old, right? Um, 
and accepting it. So, you know, acceptance is huge within a lot of things within our life. So, you know, I guess that's probably that. One thing I want to touch on, <laughs> one thing I want to touch on there that you, you kind of yeah. alluded to. So, you know, we were talking about change and you said that you used to run five or six days a week, but now you're down to four. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people get so stuck in the, especially, um, when people take a lapse in anything like running or weightlifting, like, okay, when I first got in shape, I used to go to the gym six days a week and I would do four sets of eight to 10 reps and that, and that's what I did when I was 20. So if that worked when I was 20, that's going to work when I'm 40. And that's not the case, especially because that's just not the way your life works anymore. So yeah. if you were at one time, a morning runner, you're not always a morning runner because your life isn't like that anymore. So Sometimes when you're coaching people, do you find that you have to actually coach them, not just through running, but through life, like to take a step back and go, well, maybe you're not that person anymore. So you should stop <laughs> trying to think you are and do that. You ever have those? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what does yeah. that talk sound like? <laughs> oh, you know, it's a, it's, you know, me being patient with, with them going through the process too, you know, and just like having the capacity to just be there and listen and just say like, Hey, like, you know, I know that that's where you want to be and that's where you used to be, but we have to, you know, redefine yourself as an athlete. Right. So it's, you're not the same person that you were back then your life circumstances, they're all different. Right. So just um, it's reconstructing who you are as an athlete and accepting that and then taking it day by day, because who knows, maybe you will run some of the times that you used to run. Right. We don't know that, but if you're stuck in the past, like you're just going to be frustrated that you're not there like fast enough. Right. So just focus on where you're at today. And it's, you know, I use a lot, like redefine who you are, you know, as, as an athlete, because you gotta, you know, keep the memories, memories, like, I mean, and then just to work on where you're at today. You, you mentioned a really important word, not this past answer, but your, yeah. your last one, but I think is so important for so many runners to hear, whether you're running every day or trying to get into it. That's the word punishment because, mm -hmm. you, you know, you guys have talked a, a little bit about it with, you know, your past and where I was as a runner six months ago, isn't where I'm a runner as a runner now, like my times, my, my motivation, it's totally different. And that comes with changing of seasons, changing with body, whatever. How do you, get across both yourself and anyone you're, you're coaching to get over that punishment and accept that, look, running is supposed to be free and you, you know, it's not supposed to be something that you hate doing at the end of the day because you need to, but it's something yeah. rewarding for yourself. How do you coach that to someone say, uh, get that out of your mind completely? Uh, you mean like kind of like no pain, no gain attitude? Well, a little bit. I, I think so many people, we're all competitive or we wouldn't yeah. be running. And so, yeah. you know, I, I compare where I was okay. over the past six months saying. where I okay. am now. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and, and that's, and you kind of hit on all the different like angles, right? So um, we've been in a shit show, right? For 2020. Um, there's been like, Wait, no we have? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
oh my god it's been such a good year this is news to me i don't we're breaking news we're breaking news on this podcast 2020 has been a shit show allegedly and we don't know because we never left our house exactly well um so like and that's the whole thing right so it's just getting into that space of being kinder to yourself like a lot of times with my clients like you know i i have to like reiterate to them like listen like running is a process and you're going to have, you know, plateaus, you're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys. Right. And then you just have to see what's going on wholesale within your life. That's creating either the plateau, the peak or the valley. Obviously we always want to be on a peak, but that's never going to keep on happening because then we're all going to be running like zero minute miles and it's, we're just be the flash, right? Life's not like that. That'd be pretty cool though. But, you know, so it's just like, it's a kindness. Like why punish yourself? Because at the end of the day, we're only on this planet for a limited amount of time. We don't know how long it is. And why don't, why don't you enjoy your life? Right. So enjoy running, enjoy your life, make it fun. And if it's not fun and you're having some emotional or physical turmoils, um, it's nice having a coach because then you can have that person um, to talk to and also see things more objectively too, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm not into the whole punishing um, realm anymore, which I was. I just think that treating yourself with kindness and, um, you know, giving yourself a break type of deal, you know, like just, it, life is not that serious. Speaking of coaching, so Natalie and I met, I don't know if I even just explain this to you, Nick. Yeah. Natalie and I met because I was working on an article. It's been like four or five years now. Yeah. I was working on an article and Natalie, I trained with her for a, a couple sessions. And I remember the first session, you basically just, I mean, we, we covered a lot of stuff, but you made me run around the track and you watched me. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of pinpointed some of the things that I was doing wrong. I'm sure you do that with everybody. What are the most common things that people do wrong? From a form perspective? From a form perspective. Um, a lot of times people, their cadence is slow. So cadence is essentially how many steps you pay, take per minute. Um, so I see a lot of cadence being below like 170. Um, Typically, I want people between 170 and like 185. If you ran like, uh, if you've read like Runner's World or something, 180 is going to be like your magic number, but it's not necessarily like the number. Um, And cadence is also variable based on speed. So the faster you go, the quicker your cadence is going to be, right? So, um, so cadence is number one. Uh, number two is overstriding. A lot of times people are just like reaching out in front of them. Um, and they're just landing uh, like ahead of their center of mass. Okay. So that's a big one. Um, people uh, posture wise, a lot of times people hinge at the hip uh, as opposed to keeping uh, an erect posture. Um, those are probably, oh, and crossover arms are big too. Crossover pretty ass. cute like this <laughs> so they're like but not of... with running <laughs> real quick so um uh you said overstriding. sometimes i feel like i understride is that possible uh i mean it's possible but maybe unlikely okay um, I, I feel like i, I take too many steps like i feel like 
I, I, I take little coffee steps. Like I'm running soccer still. Yes. Yes, I do. Like, but and I feel like, yeah. It's not a bad thing. Um, it just depends. Like, cause obviously we all want to look like if you have like a visual of like Kipchoge in your mind, right. His stride just looks perfect and like long and beautiful. Um, but he's running at four thirty minute miles. <laughs> so like, it really depends where you're at within your pace parameters. So like, for instance, if someone's running an 11 minute mile pace and they're going to look like they're basically, you know, just taking these tiny little tiny steps, but they can actually still be overstriding too, you know? Um, but they're going to have no stride length. So you're not going to see that, that beautiful leg behind, like kind of just like coasting behind you. You know how like you see in pictures where people look like they're flying. It's because they essentially are like you're in flight phase and there's no feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, but me personally, I'd rather you take shorter strides um, and shorter steps because the, the crap that you got to deal with when you're overstriding um, is just worse. You well, know? and along, along those lines, um, you, you know, seeing somebody and seeing the three different elements that you mentioned that maybe yeah. someone's form looks like, can you talk about real, really quickly about some of the negatives that can come from that, whether it's injuries or otherwise? Oh yeah. I mean, like if you're overstriding and you're hitting the ground pretty hard in front of you, you could deal with um, things at the level of the knee, like patellar tendonitis, you could have a hamstring, um, tibial, uh, like string splint type of stuff. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else, I see. What about, what about all those people on the treadmill who are running while still looking at their phone and they're not erect standing up straight? Like what, what can go wrong with that? Not that I am uh, that person. Are you that person? Cause I'd have I'm to not, like, maybe take I'm a, so okay. I, my dad's tried to talk to me on the treadmill and I'm like, dude, get away from me, man. I'm not, I don't know. Not. I think I would have to see a video of that, to be honest, to see how, um, negative their form looks i've never seen somebody on a treadmill running with their you know their head down looking at the, their form like uh, looking at their phone rather um so i couldn't probably answer that because i don't know how bad their form actually does look here's something that you just brought up that i always find interesting especially when i drive past certain people running on the street <laughs> how many people do you think would stop running if they saw a video of themselves running I would hope no one. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some people where I'm like, if they saw what they were doing and yeah. how desperate they look, how yeah. miserable they look, how not even like ridiculous. Like I've never seen ridiculous, but I've seen some people where it looks like it's the last thing they want to be doing. And they oh, just kind of like, yeah. So do you think, do you think that would be a good coaching mechanism to show people? This is like, think about in your head what you think you look like this is what you actually look like. Well, I've had some people where I've taken videos, right? And, you know, I, I, I show it to them. I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm seeing. I want you to see this, okay. right? But I want to like say one thing that even though like, like form matters, it's not like everything. So there are some people who have like what we would quote if I was to like take a Kipchoge and like put someone else like next to him. Right. So he, in my eyes, looks like he has a perfect form. Um, 
not everybody has to fit that box, right? So I've had some runners who have horrible form if I'm aligning it with, you know, him, right? Um, but yet they're like beasts of athletes, you know? So not everybody has to look perfect, I guess you could say. And we're all going to have our own different, you know, type of form. It's just, there are certain things that I like to like fine tune within form. If that, if that kind of makes sense. Cause I want to like, I don't want everybody to think like, Oh, like, you know, you need this like perfect form in order to like, you know, be injury free and, you know, excel as being a runner. Um, not really. It's like one piece to the puzzle um, type of deal. And uh, I mean, with your question, I, I, I honestly hope that it, even if they don't look perfect you can kindly say i'm not saying they have to look perfect i'm just saying like some people just look like it looks like the last thing on their mind that day was going for a run and they just look like yeah like and they're just like just moving all over and like flailing there have literally been people where like i see them flailing and i'm like one time actually i was on the trail And there was a woman running and like, you know, you don't want to like overstep your boundaries type of deal. And like, she was running and I was just like casually like doing my thing. And I was just like, no, I'm just going to like say like, Hey, do you want some free running advice type of deal? And she was super respect, uh, like receptive to it because her cadence was so slow. Mm -hmm. Like, like a fast cadence, right. Would be like, hers was like this. And you're just like hanging in the ground longer and you don't want to right so she was like really nice and I was like here let's do a drill really quick and she's like okay well thank you for that and like it was so super cool to just be able to do that really quickly help somebody out and you know she looked she looked better hopefully down the line she kept (laughs) up with it and it actually worked and I didn't you know f her up (laughs) you mentioned something earlier too about fun and making running fun how do you make running fun if if someone, whether you're coaching them or you hear someone be like, running sucks? Oh, that's a big one. I mean, because, you know, usually people who are the running sucks people, like really loathe running. Like they're just like, nah, I'm good, man. Um, you just kind of get to know their personality and see what they enjoy. So without, you know, like, let's say like the person like speed more, right. And they're just more like the distance stuff kind of stinks. Right. But they are, they want to learn how to like run for longer. Um, You break it up into like run, walk fashion. Right. And then so that they're doing a little bit less running um, and then you build it up over time so that they can build up that like kind of aerobic capacity to be like, Oh, like, I feel like this doesn't feel like shit anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you could add fun things into it. Like, let's say, I don't know, arbitrarily, like go, you'll run for like five minutes, but like take a 30 second quicker um, pickup and then take like a walk break. Right. Um, And just get to know, you know, what their body likes and what they like mentally too. So I think it's a two part capacity because you don't want to necessarily do something that's going to hurt them. But if they think running sucks, you kind of have to figure out what they like and then go based on that. <laughs> well, one thing I do remember from our coaching session um, was we talked about warm-ups and you said one of the best things to do is just walk fast. Yeah. Can you, talk, can you talk about how important just walking fast is? Well, it's just getting the body prepped 
for running, right? In the winter, I would say my fitness walks are a little bit um, shorter in duration just because it is so cold. So I'll usually walk like three minutes and then start my run off really, really slow. But um, you're just getting the body prepped for running. So you're just getting that blood flow and warming things up. And I'll add in um, some dynamic stretches too, just to kind of like throughout that fitness walk. Um, and even in the winter, if like, let's say I go out and I'm starting that like beginning, um, super, super easy part, I'll stop in the middle of like the first mile or whatever, and just do some stretches. If I feel like it, I no longer in that type of runner where it's like walking is a negative thing. It's a defeatist thing. Um, I actually welcome like walking, um, just cause it's it got so many different components that are are, are good for runners, but it's definitely poo-pooed in the running community for sure. The walking first is poo-pooed? Oh, like for, yeah, walking in general. It's so hard to get people to wrap their head around walking. Wow. Yeah. I think because um, throughout, I mean, even at the high school level, like if you walk, like they, it's almost like you feel defeated, right? Like I'm not, I'm not a walker, I'm a runner. And I'm like, you don't get it. It's just a little tiny piece to the puzzle with either helping you just get ready for a run, or let's say we put it in a run as a, um, like a break from like, let's say an interval or like a walk run type of fashion. Um, it reduces your heart rate, right? So you can get back to a baseline quicker. Um, and you're ready more psychologically and physically because you've bring, you've brought yourself back down. Um, but yeah, I, I love walking. I'll do fitness walks as recovery days too. See, I, I, I find walking is reward. There are a lot of times in a five or six yeah. mile run that I'll, I know the route and I yeah. know that I'm going to be hitting a hill really, really difficult, you know, next half mile or mile stretch. And as soon as I push myself to that, there's times where I want to stop two or three times during that, that hike up. As soon as I get to the top, I'm like, dude, fuck it. You, you, you deserve this. Like walk yeah. for 30 seconds, walk for a minute, catch your breath, get to a stoplight, then go. And, and I, I'm like you, you know, I, I, I was at a point in my running career when I thought, great, all these people are passing me on the road looking like, look at this lazy ass who's walking and not running. Mm-hmm. And at some point I said, fuck it. I mean, I'm, I'm going out to reward myself. I don't want to just pass out after you know, doing this. So give myself a break. So I like that you're, you're okay with walking everyone. Yeah. I mean, literally I ran a, a pretty good 12 miler on Saturday and my legs just opened up after a downhill. And I was like, I think I was at like seven twenty something pace and I just kept it going for like the next like four miles. Um, but I hadn't like really done that in a while. So yesterday my legs were totally fatigued and I'm like, all right, well, I want to get out for a shakeout. Um, I'm just breaking up my run into eight minute bouts and I'm running really easy. I ran at like nine minute miles and I put one minute walk breaks after each eight minute. Did I really probably need that? No, but at the same token, my legs don't hurt today, you know? So there's like also like this, um, this, uh, it's called like graded exposure, right? So like if I would have kept on going for that 40 minutes, I would have been like, plyometric right jumping the whole entire time but then I took a break four times to just decrease that 
so that my body's like, oh, let's take a break from jumping, right? Um, so there's also like this kind of like um, coachy training sense thing, why I add those in too. So it's good for, you know, that psychological piece you were talking about, but it's also super good from a exposure um, to running, which is jumping, you know, and healing. So good times. Along the lines of healing and training and overtraining. And one thing um, I wanted to kind of like touch on before we wrapped it all up. So, I mean, we're coming to 2020 is coming to a close. Uh, we were just alerted that there was a bad 2020. You told us we had no idea that there was a bad 2020. <laughs> but on a bunch of our other shows, we talked about how everyone we talked to, how they're excited that 2021, hopefully everything opens up again and races mm -hmm. start again, which we're all grateful for. But I feel like that's going to be a prime time when people are like, okay, 2021's opening up. I'm doing the 5K here, then I'm going to do this marathon, then I'm going to do this bike race, and then there's this weekend. Like, what's some advice you give to people like, whoa, slow down. Yeah. 2021 is a long year. Let's kind of pace this out. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I literally had to talk to like a lot of my clients with the virtual races because of that. Like in, in the very beginning, like when everything went virtual, I'm like, dude, we don't have to do a virtual race every week. Like we can chill. Right. So, um, you know, if you don't have a coach, right. And you're just kind of training yourself, you know, pick out, um, depends on what you want to train for. Right. So if, and it also depends what's open. Um, so I'd focus on just like a couple of races, let's say like you want to do a marathon kind of pick some that are currently open. Um, I would, I don't know if I'd hold off on signing up for them. It just, I would see what their, you know, race policy is with regards to refunds and that stuff. But um, you kind of hit it on the nail. Like you just have to slow your roll. Like even if um, all these races start opening up again, think about the bigger picture, you know, like we don't want to go, we, we just had all this time to kind of, maintain and train um why lose it by getting injured you know what i mean and just going like ham and like i'm gonna do a 5k this weekend then i'm gonna do a half marathon i'm gonna do a marathon i don't care i'm just racing all day every day because i need people feed me you know and it's like just make a plan <laughs> all right so i'm 40 years old I had yeah. to run since high school when my, my gym teacher forced me to do the mile. And I hate <laughs> but out of 2020, I am interested in, in trying to get into running in, in the year 2021. What advice are you giving that person over 40 who hasn't run in, say, two decades? Uh, definitely walk, run. I mean, I, like it's that whole concept of graded exposure, you know, like you don't want to go out and be like, okay, I can just run three miles and you'll probably be like, if you're capable of that, um, you'll probably trigger some shin splints and, you know, potential, like some sort of tendinopathy, like tendon, you know, issue. So slowly load yourself up. Um, there are a ton of different, you know, plans out there i think like hal higdon is he the one no who's the jeff galloway's big walk run hal higdon i think is just for like beginners and stuff but less is more and non-consecutive days running usually i tell people and believe it or not if you did like let's say a run on a monday you could fitness walk the next day 
And that's a good way of exposing, like exposing your tissues to weight bearing activity. So that's like a, a, a good thing that people don't realize that walking also helps to expose your muscles, ligaments, bones, and all that stuff to some weight bearing. Um, and yeah, I would get connected with a coach because that's the easiest way to friggin' do this shit. <laughs> well, on that note, you should probably plug where people can find you since you are a coach. Well, that is true. Um, so <laughs> I'm personally maxed out on clients. However, mm. I got some awesome coaches on my team too. Okay. Um, but my website is runfitcoaching.com. My Instagram is run F period I period T. Um, and I think that's really all I use is Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I have a YouTube, but I don't know what that is. Uh, and where can, where can people send you awesome <laughs> Christmas gifts? Oh my God. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Should I give my address? <laughs> no. Well, okay. Better yet. Better yet. When uh, Nick gets his shitty pair of shoes, where can he send them to you so exactly. that you can get rid of them? <laughs> well, I am based in Bucks County, but I'm also in Princeton too. <laughs> that, that's fine. We, we really didn't have to. Nick, you should just tell your mom thanks, but you got yeah. Nick, Nick, suggest like, um, I, I know people don't like to give the gift card thing, but if you like suggest like a very niche store, like an actual running store, like it might make mom feel a little better. Like she can get you like, you know, a, a gift card and like a, cute pair of like I don't know running socks or something like that yeah I you know I'm always good with like any winter gear or rain gear because that shit you're not going to use every day but I could keep for the next like five to ten years so mm. mom if you're listening give me some rain gear I live in Seattle I sure as hell need it now Natalie his mom doesn't listen to the show <laughs> <laughs> Nick I'm gonna get you a t-shirt <laughs> thank you I would love that. That's I would a great rock that all day. Yeah. And you can give me one for the next preceding 15 Christmases. So. <laughs> My God, it's awesome. That's a great idea. Thanks, Natalie. No problem. I got you. And that brings another episode of We Run This to a Close. Nick and I want to thank everybody for listening. If you love the podcast, please share it with friends or leave a review on iTunes. And remember to follow Nick and I on social media. He's at It's Nick Domingo, and I'm at Chris Luminati on Twitter, or follow us both on Instagram at WeRunThis underscore pod. Until next time, see everybody out there.